0: Hello and welcome to the Rare Disease and Cell and gene Therapy Weekly Roundup. I'm your host Max Rex. Every week we at Partners for Access bring to you some of the most important news developments in the orphan drug and cell and gene therapy world and what they mean for you. This week we are looking at ISA's white paper on alternative options for the US rebate system and the establishment of a national agency to evaluate drug effectiveness and negotiate prices in Canada. First up, we cover ISA weighing in on the potential changes to the US Drug Reimbursement System. In early March, the Institute for Clinical and Economic Review, or ISA, released a white paper examining alternative models for the use of rebates in the US pharmaceutical system, this white paper, written in collaboration with the UK's Office of Health Economics, comes as the Trump administration has proposed in late January 2019 to eliminate rebates paid by drug manufacturers to pharmacy benefit managers, or PBMs, and some Medicare and Medicaid plans. This paper does not give a definitive recommendation of which future option is the most attractive but it does offer an in-depth analysis of the advantages and disadvantages of the three major alternative options to the current status quo. The three major options that were considered in this report can be thought of in two different categories. First category represents reforms to the current system that could be implemented fairly easily. And the other option is a total overhaul of the system first option is the 100% pass-through of rebates from PBMs to plan sponsors. Currently, drug manufacturers give PBMs rebates on the list price of drugs in exchange for preferential formulary placement to increase drug sales. Requiring PBMs to pass on 100% of rebates to plan sponsors is potentially appealing as it eliminates the incentive for PBMs to develop formularies that promote the use of drugs with higher rebates, despite a higher net cost for payers. However, PBMs might still be able to receive fees from manufacturers instead of rebates, and there would be no guarantee that the rebates given to plan sponsors would be reflected in lower co-pays for patients. The second option is to pass all or a proportion of the rebate savings directly to patients, known as point of sale or POS rebates. This option has a potentially more direct impact on the high out-of-pocket costs and could reduce the financial burden on some patients. On the negative side, the plan sponsor will no longer receive all or any of these funds and will not be able to use the funds to reduce overall health insurance premiums. It is feared that this could actually increase premiums especially for Medicare Part D where many financially vulnerable patients are insured. The final option is the elimination of rebates entirely. As mentioned before, this is the favoured approach of Alex Azar and the Department of Health and Human Services. Eliminating rebates in favour of upfront discounts would be a monumental change to the current system. This approach removes the incentive for PBMs to gain revenue from high rebates that leads to manufacturers raising list prices. Upfront discounts could also make cost-effectiveness analysis easier to perform and include in formulary development, which may be appealing for a growing number of stakeholders in the US. However, critics feel that payers will lose the leverage and negotiating power that they currently have and that the implicit transparency could lead to higher overall costs as manufacturers set single discount levels. Coming to a definitive conclusion about which option is the best way forward is no easy task, there are many factors to be considered. ISA's white paper shows just how much needs to be considered when making these decisions and that there really is no ideal solution that makes everyone happy. This is even before you begin to consider the politics involved in such an overhaul which further muddies the water. If you want to find out more about this topic, including more detailed analysis of all of the positives and negatives associated with each option, the full report is available on ICE's website. Now we move north across the border to Canada, where the latest government budget has some interesting changes for the pharmaceutical industry. Aparna Krishnan is here to tell us more.
1: This week, the Canadian finance minister unveiled the country's annual federal budget, announcing two initiatives to boost access to prescription drugs. First was the creation of a new national drug agency mandated to take a coordinated approach towards assessing drug effectiveness and negotiating prescription drug prices on behalf of Canadians. The agency would also be responsible for setting up a national drug formulary. The second is a national strategy for high-cost drugs treating rare diseases, including a proposal to invest up to $1 canadian dollars over two years starting in 2022 to 23 with up to 500 million dollars per year ongoing now the setting up of a new national drug agency has particular challenges as current departments that are part of the canadian agency for drugs and technology in health already undertake cost effectiveness assessments also since 2010 the Pan Canadian Pharmaceutical Alliance conducts joint provincial, territorial, and federal negotiations for brand name and generic drugs. The new drug agency will likely look at overcoming some of the concerns with assessments and price negotiations. For example, in terms of cost-effectiveness methodologies, there is scope to widen the involvement of stakeholders such as uh, consumer groups. In Canada, while patients have universal healthcare, it does not cover prescription drugs, leaving most Canadians to rely on a mixture of public and private insurance plans. The pricing negotiations conducted by the Pan-Canadian Pharmaceutical Alliance impacts public plans, leaving patients covered by private insurers and those paying out of pocket. Another important area is that the decisions taken by current agencies dealing with assessments and price negotiations are only uh, recommendations and the new drug agency may seek to change that mandate to a more directly impacting role. The other development relating to rare disease drugs is a welcome step towards improving access. At a time when new drug technologies such as cell and gene therapies are being introduced at premium pricing structures, the Canadian government's approach will ensure that drugs such as Kimraya and Lextana would have a better chance of reaching patients. The initiatives are part of a larger plan to introduce a national pharma care program following the recommendations of an advisory council. The recommendations depict a public drug program that is universal, comprehensive and evidence-based. Despite the government's recent announcements, it is clear that there is some reservation in fully implementing pharma care, uh, primarily due to concerns over budgets, both federal and regional. It remains to be seen if the Trudeau government will be able to complete the plans set in motion with a new drug agency.
0: And that's it for this week. P4A's managing partner, Sophie Schmitz, will be leading a gene therapy discussion at the 2019 Annual Meeting of the Academy of Managed Care Pharmacy taking place in San Diego, California, from the 25th to the 28th of March. If you want to know more about the discussion on international perspectives on cell and gene therapies, please write to us at contact at partnersforaccess.com. For more news and analysis, please go to our website at www.partnersforaccess.com. Subscribe to our podcast at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and please do share your thoughts in the comment section. Thanks for listening. See you next week.